I bid you welcome. I want to play a game. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. Let them see what kind of a person I am. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. Hey folks, my name is Will. My name is Yaz. And welcome to the Monster Monday podcast. This is the podcast where myself and Yaz talk about a horror movie every single Monday. And Yaz, why do we talk about horror films? Because <laughs> the monsters in film aren't as scary as the monsters in real life. And this is a episode I've really been looking forward to doing. We're doing the first, uh, I'd say maybe not technically the first, but the first big universal monsters horror film from 1931. We're talking about Dracula. 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 From Pennsylvania, because it sounds like Transylvania. I don't know what that's from. What we do in the shadows. Oh. It's why um, Jackie Daytona moves to Pennsylvania, because it sounds like Transylvania. (laughs) Oh my god, what we do in the shadows is just the best. Please, just... We'll we'll maybe do that at some point. Mm. But anyway, so, Dracula... (laughs) You cut that noise out. (laughs) Please. Matt Baker. Is that his name? Matt Baker? Barry. Matt ba- oh, fucking hell. Who's Matt Baker? <laughs> Matt Baker's that country file presenter. Or he was. He was on Blue Peter. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, it's the Blue Peter presenter. Oh, yes. Jackie Daytona. <laughs> regular human bartender. <laughs> um, so, we're going to be talking about Dracula. And this film has quite an interesting production because... This came about because, you know, you got Bram Stoker's novel, which comes out in 1897, and the book is not a big hit at all. In fact, uh, like, writer Bram Stoker, like, died quite poor, and, like, his possessions sold for, like, two quid back in the day. Uh, but the they tried to make a movie of this in the 1920s, and they were like, no, we can't be bothered to buy the rights, so we'll just do Nosferatu, and just pretend that it's an original idea. And what happened is that the uh, the Stoker estate ended up suing the Nosferatu production company for basically plagiarism. So the next decade, they thought, okay, we'll do this and we'll do it right. We'll actually get the rights to Bram Stoker's Dracula novel. And there was a stage play in the late 1920s. And a lot of the cast for Dracula 1931 did come back for uh, for the film, including Hungarian actor Bela Lugosi. Yeah, yes, Bela Lugosi. Massive respect to uh, an actor. English is not his first language. In fact, he would only ever learn English. He'd learn it phonetically for the English-speaking lines he would do, which is why, even by Hungarian accent standards, Dracula's voice is so distinct, because he's learning phonetically and not understanding quite what he's saying. Yeah, but I think his voice is great oh uh, yeah it's absolutely why it works and it is basically the dracula voice like we were mentioning what we do in the shadows earlier their accents are just a riff on what bella lugosi was doing 90 years ago some of like the big vampire personalities there not the main characters who are from new zealand yeah bella lugosi is uh bringing the sexy vampire to the screen yes and but it the al- birth of the sexy vampire but it almost was not to be because he lobbied really hard to get the role, and he essentially moved to Los Angeles to, because like, he was part of the the Dracula tour, the, the Broadway play as it was making its way across the country. And he was like, "Oh, they're they're crewing up. They're making a Dracula film. Oh, let let me just move to Los Angeles when they happen to just so happen to be making it, so I could put myself forward." And he was able to convince Universal Pictures to allow him to do the film by accepting like a pittance of a salary, like on, no matter what 
who else, whatever actor was on set that day, Bella Lugosi was probably the least paid person on that set. He was paid $500 a week, as opposed to, say, for example, the actor who played John Harker, David Manners, who'd be paid like $1,000 or $2,000 a week. That's mad, isn't it? Yeah, but it was kind of, it was a role he was really passionate about, and he wanted to make sure he was a part of it, and it cemented his legacy, basically. Yeah. When when I think of Dracula, I always think of Bella. Yeah. You don't think of Gary Oldman? No. No, because you watched the recent, um, I say recent, the 90s uh, Dracula film with Gary Oldman and Keanu Reeves. Yeah, a bit boring, isn't it? Mm. But have you read the book? Have you read the Bram Stoker novel? Not all the way through. I started it, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> I kept forgetting about it, <laughs> yeah. so... I need to pick it back up. So I own a copy. Yeah. I just haven't read it all the way through yet. Well, well, hopefully you'll be able to maybe pick up on some of the differences of the book, since you're the closest thing to an expert we have here. Um, uh, th- maybe not. Maybe I'm, not. I'm using that word relatively. So let's talk about Dracula, uh, the 1931 Dracula, directed by Todd Browning. <laughs> So the movie opens with a title card and a rendition of OP20 from Swan Lake. Oh yes, I recognised it straight away. Um, Top secret guys, I actually like ballet. Yeah? You you stand ballet. You wouldn't think it um, Mm. due to my other hobbies and interests. Yeah. Um, But I actually really like ballet and it's really beautiful and I was lucky enough to see the Bolshoi Ballet yeah. of Swan Lake. And it was beautiful. Oh, great stuff. But it's a cool opening. It makes me feel very, very classy. Yeah, it's a good opening. In the Carpathian Mountains, a horse-drawn carriage is making its way through painted backdrops of the mountain range. In this carriage is Renfield, played by Dwight Fry, one of the few actors in this film not from the original stage production. Oh, he appears in a lot of films. Uh, such as? I'm sure he's in Frankenstein. I'll have to double-check. Is he Igor? I think so. Let's have a look. Oh no, he's Fritz. Oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's Fritz in Frankenstein. Yeah, he is Igor, but he's just called Fritz yeah. in in the in the film, and he just essentially becomes Igor in future in future iterations. So yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah, he's in Dracula and Frankenstein. Uh, and the other passengers in the back of this horse-drawn carriage have been jostled around. He asks the driver to slow down, but is told by their guide that they must get to their destination before sundown. The carriage stops at a inn in a small village and everyone gets off with the driver's assistance taking all the luggage away. However, Renfield asks to have his belongings stay on board as he's moving on to Borgo Pass tonight, which frightens and confuses the driver. Now, he can't wait until morning, though, as there's a carriage waiting for him there at midnight. Count Dracula's carriage. I'm not being funny, but that's a bit weird, isn't it? There's no way I'd be meeting anybody at midnight. Well, he gets in a mountain pass at midnight. Yeah. You're having a laugh. It's not good. Uh, But the name Count Dracula strikes fear into the hearts of all the other villagers as the innkeeper, played by Michael Viseroff, explains. Castle Dracula? Yes, that's where I'm going. To the castle? Yes. No. You mustn't go there. We people of the mountains believe 
of the castle there are vampires. Dracula and his wives, they take the form of wolves and bats. They leave their coffins at night and they feed on the blood of the living. Oh, but that's all superstition. Uh, Renfield is insistent, however, and gets on board the carriage again, with the innkeeper's wife, played by Barbara Bazoki, giving him a crucifix to wear around his neck for protection. He takes it, and the coach departs as the sun starts to set on the mountain pass, and we transition to Dracula's castle, where we find Count Dracula, played by Bella Lugosi, and his three wives, played by Geraldine Dorovac, Cornelia Thor, and Dorothy Tree, rising from their coffins in a cobweb-laden dungeon. It's such a cool, like, like shot, as, like introductory shot of Dracula as well. He's just stood yeah. in this basement, and the camera is like slowly moving in towards him. It's so cool. He just looks cool. He's got a good presence on screen. Yeah, and like you mentioned it when we were watching it, just the eyebrow, just like yeah. the slightly cut, raised eyebrow. Um, like he, he's just glaring into your soul. Did you know that it's a genetic thing? I can raise my left eyebrow. Yeah. But I can't do my right one. You can raise the the Lugosi eyebrow. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas but I can't, you can't. No, I I can't raise um what I can't raise one or the other. It has to be both. Yeah, I'm not vampire material. <laughs> Renfield's carriage meets up with Dracula's to make the swap. With Renfield's driver departing so quickly, he doesn't even say goodbye. That was a fun like visual moment because the director of this, uh, Todd Browning. Uh, this was one of his first talkie films that he made. He predominantly worked in silent cinema. Uh, and I think some of that sensibility there like, really comes across. Like, that's a great visual moment. Dracula's driver, without saying a word, motions for Renfield to get inside, which he does. When Renfield sticks his head out of the window to talk to the driver, he sees that he has disappeared and that the carriage is being pulled by a bat along with the horses. It's a pretty funny image. Like, it's just this bat and the and these two horses uh, taking the carriage along. He gets dropped off at Dracula's castle, but now there's no sight of the driver or his belongings. He slowly makes his way through the castle entrance to a massive hall, and down the stairs comes Dracula, who bids him welcome. Welcome. I am Dracula. Oh, it's, it's really good to see you. I don't know what happened to the driver and my luggage and, well, and with all this, I I thought I was in the wrong place. I bid you welcome. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. And there's the great line, like, children of the night, what music they make. (laughs) Dracula takes him to his elaborate bedchamber. It's a massive room. That's a massive guest room. Well, he lives in a castle. He absolutely does, and he's not afraid to show it. He brings Renfield's luggage inside as it somehow made it upstairs before he could. Dracula's a good host. Dracula's like, he's looking after your belongings. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's running a tight ship in in this hotel castle. Uh, and the two discuss business. See, Renfield is Dracula's new solicitor, here to discuss the leasing of a London property. Dracula will leave for the property tomorrow by ship, 
Renfield, however, he cuts his finger on a paperclip causing it to bleed, which makes Dracula move closer towards him. But Renfield's crucifix comes into view, which is wearing around his neck, and Dracula recoils in horror. And Renfield thinks that Dracula just really hates blood, just hates the sight of blood, because he puts his cape up and everything, and he's like... (sighs) Dracula gives him some wine, and he says, I don't drink wine. It's it's such a cool line. I know, yeah. He's uh, he's very suave, isn't he? Mm -hmm. He bids Renfield goodnight, but his three wives enter the room as Renfield opens a nearby window and gets startled by a bat, which causes him to faint. The three wives advance on him, but Dracula appears in the window and ushers them away before attacking Renfield himself. Oh. Mm. He shouldn't have taken... Wanted him all to himself. Yeah, he shouldn't have had that wine. Uh, We then cut to some time later aboard the ship Vesta on course for England. The crew are battling a raging storm as a dishevelled Renfield opens up a wooden crate in the gallows with Dracula inside, calling him Master. Dracula makes his way to the deck before we fade to the London port where the Vesta has arrived, with Renfield the only living soul aboard, with Dracula having killed the crew. Isn't this like... I've not watched the new BBC Dracula by like Stephen Moffat. Isn't this basically the premise of one of the episodes? Because Dracula killing these people on one of the ships. A bit more happens in the episode than that. But yeah. yeah. But um, Dracula episode one and two are amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Don't bother with the third. Just don't even bother. <laughs> it's, it's like um, that Jekyll series they did as well. It's six episodes. One, two, three and four are really good. Skip five and six. And it ends on a cliffhanger that has never been resolved as well. That was like 15 years ago. Yeah, um, Dracula is very sexy in the TV show too. Mm. Um, So that is a a trope that was only sort of made with Bella Lugosi because obviously Nosferatu was not... Well, depends what you're into. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure someone loves Nosferatu. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that was the beginning of like the whole vampires are sexy thing and then Mm -hmm. carrying it on with Christopher Lee. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, that's how this whole thing around vampires being sexy is a thing. I think it's more just the whole, like, suave sophistication. Yeah. And, like, um... Charming. Yeah. charming. Yeah, and, like, um, upper-class aristocracy type, you know, know, money and and power, like, are also, like, considered inherently sexy. And Dracula has that as well. He has a castle. He does. He has a castle. Renfield is found by the port staff, and there's that great shot. It's almost like the point of view of the of the staff looking down the staircase, and Renfield is like grinning yeah, madly at the camera. Manically, That's yeah, manically. Such a good shot. And I, I actually didn't think that um, uh, the actor who plays Renfield, Dwight Fry, I didn't think he was actually that good in normal like human like Renfield at the beginning of the movie. But the moment he's like Dracula's servant and he goes all unhinged, he's such a great like screen presence. He's I thought he was really really good at that point. You see, I think in I'm sure that in the Dracula TV series mm-hmm. that Renfield doesn't exist. Yeah, and that it's Jonathan Harker who goes to. Dracula mm. and becomes mad. Yeah, because because I've um, I've not read the book unfortunately, but I am uh, I do have access to Wikipedia, so I can pretend I've read the book. And it says here that Renfield is an inmate at the Lunatic Asylum, so he seems to start there in the book. So maybe it is Jonathan Harker who goes to visit Dracula. Yeah, uh, I know that he is 
like more so the main character in the book than he is in this film. Like, he's, he's not even turned up yet. He won't for another couple of scenes. But what we get is the most interesting form of exposition that I've seen in a long time. We just get like a, a still image for about 10-15 seconds on screen for that day's newspaper just reporting on the ship's arrival. And we learn that Renfield is in a sanitarium and he has cravings for, quote, ants, flies and other small living things to obtain their blood. So that's a direct form of exposition, just show that day's newspaper. On the streets of London, Dracula hypnotises and kills a flower girl and slowly walks away as the police and passerbys discover the body. Dracula makes his way to the theatre to watch a show. Uh, By the music you can tell that it's the Master Singers of Nuremberg by Richard Wagner. Uh, And also in attendance are Sayward, the man looking after Renfield at the sanitarium. He's played by Herbert Bunston. His daughter Mina, played by Helen Chandler. Her fiancé, Jonathan Harker, played by David Manners, and family friend Lucy, played by Francis Dade. Dracula hypnotises a theatre usher to separate Sayward from the rest of his party by faking a telephone call for him. The plan works, and Dracula confronts him in the doorway of their booth, because they've got like a fancy booth watching this uh, this musical. And he introduces himself as the uh, as the property he's just leased adjoins the sanitarium. Despite very awkward and slow introductions, uh, Dracula and Lucy seem to take an interest in one in one another. They like they just stare at each other intently, and uh, there's there's some very weird flirty banter in this. And I guess that's because <laughs> how they rolled in the 1930s. The Abbey could be very attractive, but I should imagine it would need quite extensive repairs. I shall do very little repairing. It reminds me of the broken battlements of my own castle in Transylvania. The Abbey always reminds me of that old toast about lofty timbers, the walls around are bare, echoing to our loft as though the dead were there. (laughs) Nice little sentiment. (laughs) But there's more, even nicer. Papa cup to the dead already. Hurrah for the next to die. Oh, never mind the rest, dear. (laughs) (laughs) To die, to be really dead. That must be glorious. Why, Count Dracula? There are far worse things, waiting man, than death. So that night in Lucy's bedroom, Mina says goodnight to her and leaves Lucy alone. Lucy then decides to open the window, and we can see Dracula on the street spying on her on the other side of the fence. Lucy goes to bed, and a bat flies across the room, and then we see as the camera pans across the bedroom. That Dracula, human form. <laughs> Bat. Bat. Um, he's, he's now in his human form and he stalks his way across the bedroom and attacks Lucy in her sleep. And the next day we're at an autopsy theatre with Sayward looking over Lucy who has an unexplained loss of blood and two bite marks on her neck like one other victim that they've seen, presumably the flower girl. On the grounds of the sanitarium, Renfield is fighting with one of the doctors who's wrestling a small spider away from him. And this is great. He's like, why, why, why would you um, want to eat flies? Not when I can get nice fat spiders. Who wants to eat flies? Oh, I love the um, the guy playing the worker that's helping him. Uh, the healthcare assistant. The, the British guy. Yeah. What's his name? I think it's Martin. Yeah, it's Martin. He's very fun. Yeah, played by Charles K. Gerard, and yeah, he's he's probably the funniest character here. He's like the stereotypical English Cockney, would you say? Yeah, he yeah. sounds Cockney. Yeah, uh, in an on-site laboratory, Sayward is meeting with other doctors and also Van Helsing, played by Edward Van Sloan. He was also in the Dracula Broadway play. 
Uh, he's examined a blood sample from Renfield and recognises it as vampiric. Sayward is sceptical but Helsing promises that he can bring proof of Nosferatu. And my favourite quote of the movie comes from this scene with Helsing. He says, I may be able to bring you proof that the superstition of yesterday can become the scientific reality of today. Ooh. I think that's a really cool line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Van Helsing and Saywood have a meeting with Renfield, but all he does is just rant about how he has to leave because his cries at night may give Mina bad dreams. Oh, he's just a he's just a very romantic guy at heart, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he's then startled by the howling of a wolf outside as Dracula in the next building rises from his coffin. With this, Helsing brings out Wolfsbane, which infuriates Renfield and he's taken away, with Renfield threatening Mina as he's dragged out. In Renfield's room that night, Dracula appears at his window and silently hypnotises him into doing something to, quote, her. Like, he doesn't say anything. Like, you've just got Renfield just screaming from the window, saying, no, don't make me do it to her. Leave her alone. Uh, It's really creepy as, like, he doesn't blink. He's just hypnotising him from the street. It's a really cool scene. In bat form, Dracula flies through Mina's window, then human form, and appears to attack her. But the next morning, Mina is recounting a nightmare that she had the night before to John Harker. Van Helsing examines Mina and finds the two bite marks on her neck, proving that it wasn't a nightmare. But who should... Uh, But who should arrive at that moment but Count Dracula, who is shown in by the maid? He knows of Van Helsing, and it's obvious, like, he's, Van Helsing's got a reputation, and I love this performance from Lugosi, because he's clearly trying to hide the disdain for him. (laughs) He's trying to act all dignified, but he's just seething at just being in the presence of Van Helsing. Um, John takes out a cigarette case with a mirrored lid, and it's in this mirror that Helsing sees that Dracula has no reflection, which Harker also notices. Uh, This is a uh, a pretty big deviation from the stage production where they had like a full length mirror at the back of the stage and that was how they spotted that Dracula had no reflection but for some reason in the film they've just got this small cigarette holder with a mirror in it they're kind of downgraded for well, it well all I needed to do to not be like confused with a vampire is wear a toothpick and put some jeans on yeah that's the best way to like that, that's the perfect human totally human bartender disguise isn't it yeah yeah completely (laughs) i love that episode um as dracula goes to leave he sets up a date with mina for later that night so he can check on how she's feeling mina leaves and van helsing tricks dracula into looking into the mirror of the cigarette case and he smacks it out of his hand and he quickly restrains himself and apologizes for his outburst and he gives the most 19th century burn i have ever heard (laughs) for one who has not lived even a single lifetime you are a wise man ben helsing oh burn air horn but um i think now is a pretty good time like randomly because i've seen footage from the spanish language version of dracula and this moment uh, where 
Dracula just smacks the cigarette case out of Van Helsing's hand. This is much more bigger and bombastic in the Spanish language version. So, like, TLDR for this version, Universal Pictures would use the exact same sets and a lot of the same creative team and the and the practical team like behind the cameras to film foreign language versions of their blockbusters. What they do is that the English team would come in and film in Dracula's castle for a day, and then the next day, a different cast and, uh, and the Spanish language team would come along and film Spanish Dracula, and that's the version that gets sent to Spain for distribution, obviously. And what happened is that this film was thought to have been lost forever in the 1940s, but then it just turns up randomly in 1970, and it's now considered to be, like, a better version of this film, because the Spanish camera team, they were getting the rushes at the end of every day from the English team, so they were like, okay, what can we do differently? What can we do better? And one thing they did for this scene is that Dracula has a cane, and he smacks the mirror out of Dracula, out of Van Helsing's hand with this cane, and it shatters in his hand. And it's such a cool moment. Like, there's a few descript like the script is identical. Like, you can read the subtitles for Spanish Dracula, and the the dialogue is almost identical, but it's more violent. Um, Mina's dress is much more revealing in certain scenes because they don't care about that in Europe. And um, there's the great introductory shot of Dracula in this film where he's, in the, he's on the staircase and, um, and Renfield meets him in his castle. But in the Spanish version, it's like a long like POV, like zoom-in shot over like 30 seconds. And the Spanish-language film is considered, in production, ty- in production terms, just to be better than the English-language version one. You can watch it on the Blu-ray. We've got the Universal Monsters yeah, Blu-ray. We- yeah, we need to check it out properly. Like I say, I've only seen a few clips from it, but it does look good. Yeah. But it is weird seeing a different Dracula. Oh, yeah. I think if you got Bella Lugosi's Dracula in the Spanish-language film... It would be the ultimate film. Yeah, it would yeah. be ultimate Dracula. Like, no, like no disrespect to actor Carlos Villar- um, um But, yeah, I've probably butchered that name. I apologise, uh, Carlos. But, yeah, he it's... Um, it's a it's a very different version of Dracula that I don't think is as good, but it's still a legitimate portrayal in its own right. Uh, and thankfully, because the film was lost for several decades and turned up in the 70s, in 2015, the Library of Congress selected Spanish Dracula for special preservation in the National Film Registry. Uh, they found it culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant of preservation. Uh, so, yeah, you can check out that film. Anyway, back to... Back to English Dracula. Uh, Dracula takes his leave, and John Harker notices a wolf running across the garden. I mean, the audience don't see it, because he just runs to the window, and basically just turns to the camera and says, Look, a wolf in the garden! <laughs> Take my word for it. Like, this is this is clearly based off the Broadway play, and it has that theatrical thing. Like, you, can, you can imagine John Harker just pointing off, off stage, off stage right, and going, Look, a wolf! Uh, Van Helsing, he reveals that vampires sometimes take the form of wolves, but mainly become bats. That seems like a... I know that's the original vampire mythology, but you kind of aso- now associate wolves like and like vampires as very different opposing entities now, don't you? Yeah, you kind of think of werewolves like for fra- wolves yeah, <laughs> rather it, than... Yeah, well, you, you kind of think of like werewolves or people who transform into wolves fighting vampires now, don't you? Yeah. Whereas here they're... Dracula, get get a man who can do both. Everyone, you don't need to choose Team Edward and Team Jacob. You choose Team Dracula, and you get both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The that. ultimate, <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate creature. Helsing also explains that vampires are undead creatures who drink the blood of the living to survive and must rest during the day in their native soil, surmising and get this. 
that Dracula must have transported enough earth and soil from Transylvania into his new home so he can be buried in it. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the mythology here. Um, as he explains this, Mina goes out into the garden and encounters Dracula there and she leaves with him. I mean, it's the cape, obviously. Chicks love the cape. It's always the cape. Absolutely. Uh, Renfield then emerges from the next room, having been eavesdropping on their conversation. And Renfield's a prison... Like, he's not a prisoner, he's a patient at this sanitarium, but he's just apparently allowed to wander around <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. He, this isn't the first time he does this either. He's, this, he does this multiple times in the film. Renfield urges Sayward and John to listen to Helsing in order to protect Mina, but a bat arrives at the window, freaking Renfield out, and he starts acting ignorant of how much he knows. Like He's like, Dracula never heard of the man never heard of the name <laughs> suddenly the maid rushes in claiming to have seen something horrible in the garden john and saywood run out to investigate as the maid just faints at the sight of renfield like his smile like, just freaks her out <laughs> so much she collapses she, she collapses on the spot it's great and there's the, there's this great shot of renfield like uh, crawling towards this unconscious maid grinning as he goes to attack her like he's clearly upgraded from spiders and flies and rats and stuff now it's a really cool creepy shot uh, john and saywood find mina in the garden asleep and carry her inside as dracula just watches from a nearby tree once again this is like a stage production thing like dracula's clearly like he's in he's in sight of everyone but he's like oh, i'm behind a tree can't see me now <laughs> <laughs> trees have got powers later that same night a police officer is investigating the sound of crying children as lucy uh former like lucy who was thought to be dead now wearing a white dress stalks around nearby we then crossfade to the sanitarium as your favorite dr martin <laughs> is reading that morning's newspaper revealing that two young girls were attacked by a yeah, beautiful lady in white who promised her chocolates enticed her to a secluded spot and there bit her slightly in the throat. <laughs> what is... There was something that he said that really made me laugh in the film, but I can't remember what it was. Was it in this scene? I can't remember. Or was it, was it when he's on the phone? Oh, it might have been when he was on the phone. Helsing, Harker and Mina are also talking about the attack at Mina's bedroom balcony as Mina recounts the night she saw Lucy looking possessed and acting like an animal. Uh, Mina then takes the opportunity to break up with Harker in order to protect him. Like, basically, Harker gets dumped, and she gives very vague, terrible reasons. Helsing has also decorated Mina's room with wolfbane in case Dracula comes back to visit her, as well as a wolfbane wreath for her to wear. That night, Dracula rises from his coffin as Helsing tries to convince Harker that Mina cannot travel back home with him. Dracula, the ultimate cock blocker. <laughs> Helsing insists that their only chance in saving her life is to find the hiding place of Dracula's living corpse and drive a stake through his heart. Unfortunately, Renfield, who is once again just roaming around the sanitarium, <laughs> overhears them and recounts the story of him being turned by Dracula with the promise of an army of rats for him to control and eat. Yeah, he gets a bit... Uh, focused on these rats he's obsessed with them he is but the best but the thing that you're obsessed with though we once again meet martin <laughs> because sayward rings up like you've let renfield go again what again yes sir at once sir yes sir right away sir here the doctor's pet loony is loose again yes sir at once sir right away sir <laughs> 
And he, he's like, he, I think it's when he comes to pick him up. I think it's that scene that oh, really makes me laugh. I remember now. Strike me down, dead doctor. He's got me going. Now he's twisted and broken them iron bars as if they was cheese. <laughs> and that's apparently how Renfield escaped. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that bit that made me laugh. Come on, old fly eater. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. I, I mean, I, Martin strikes me as the type of guy who at his desk, he's got one of those little placards that says, you don't have to be mad to work here, but it helps. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's his philosophy at this sanitarium. So Dracula, though, he's now in the house and he confronts Helsing alone and reveals that Mina is an immortal vampire like him. And I, I love this scene. It's like this this like confrontation between the two in this living room and these are actors who have been playing these roles for several years they were both on broadway they've both worked with each other they clearly know how to get the best out of each other with these characters it's a great scene now that you have learned what you have learned it would be well for you to return to your own country i prefer to remain and protect those whom you would destroy you are too late. My blood now flows through her veins. She will live through the centuries to come, as I have lived. Should you escape us, Dracula, we know how to save Miss Mina's soul, if not her life. If she dies by day, but I shall see that she dies by night. And I will have Carfax Abbey torn down stone by stone, excavated a mile around. I will find your earth box and drive that stake through your heart. Dracula tries to hypnotize Helsing, but his will is strong and he's able to resist his influence. And he produces a crucifix in front of Dracula, who snarls and flees the house. And I love this the as he like puts his cape up above his above his face. Upstairs, Mina is restless and is insisting the windows be open against Van Helsing's wishes. But Harker has only one thing on his mind and is like, Oh, Mina, you look great. You look beautiful. So he's only got one thing on his mind. So (laughs) So they sit out on the balcony with Mina proclaiming how much she loves the fog and the night sky. But Harker points out that last night she was saying how much she hated the night sky. Then a bat appears and appears to be talking to Mina, who responds and starts talking to it as Harker tries to bat it away. Once it flies off, she tries to convince Harker to take Van Helsing's crucifix away before her eyes start changing in the night and she slowly leans towards him. Van Helsing intervenes, but she pretends to be frightened of him to get Harker's sympathy and starts recoiling at the crucifix that Harker is now holding. Outside, we hear the sound of a gunshot as Martin just tried to shoot the werewolf on the grounds, with Helsing saying that bullets won't do anything to Dracula. What is it? Who is it, Martin? It's that big grey bat again, sir. There's no use of wasting your bullets, Martin. They cannot harm that bat. No, sir. He's crazy. They're all crazy. They're all crazy except you and me. Sometimes I have me doubts about you. And then he slowly backs away from her, as if he just realised in that moment, wait, she might be crazy as well. Like, while he was saying it, this is such... 
yeah, it, it's like almost Shakespearean how you've just got the one comedic character while everyone else is just acting normal. It's really great. Later that night, Mina is now asleep and Dracula appears at her window to hypnotise the maid who is watching over her in the bedroom. She removes the wolfbane and opens the windows, allowing him inside. Helsing and Harker spot Renfield heading to Carfax Abbey, which is the, prop- which is the property that Dracula was leasing, and follows him as Dracula takes Mina there as well. Harker and Helsing arrive shouting to Mina, and Dracula then kills Renfield, thinking that Renfield led them there, throwing him down this massive staircase. This death is much more violent than the Spanish version, but it's still, like, 1931, you see him, like, grab him, and then it cuts away, and then he's falling down this massive staircase. They pursue Dracula, who carries Mina to his basement. Helsing and Harker break in, finding coffins containing Dracula, but an empty one, not Mina, so she must be alive. So Helsing breaks apart Dracula's coffin lid. Dracula's just asleep while this is happening. And he uses a stone that Harker finds to stake Dracula in the heart. He gets like a uh, like a great big piece of wood from the, from the coffin lid. Gets him in the heart and kills Dracula. Mina then emerges from the corner of the room. And with Dracula dead, she returns to her normal self. Helsing proclaims that Dracula is now dead forever. And to the sound of church bells ringing, Harker and Mina walk out of the building arm in arm. The end. Title card. There's nothing more to fear, Miss Mina. Dracula is dead forever. No, 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 you must go. But aren't you coming with us? Not yet. Uh, Presently. Uh, Come, John. It's a happy ending, isn't it? (laughs) Very happy ending. And Dracula will will never see Dracula again. Never again. Never again. This is the last ever, time. Ever, Yeah, that story has been thoroughly told. So, yes, what did you think of 1931's Dracula? Yeah, you know me. I love my old Universal Horror Monster movies. Mm-hmm. They're my favourite. Yeah. They're just so charming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a really good one, isn't it? It is. It holds uh, up. Yeah. Bela Lugosi is so cute. It's so <laughs> iconic yeah. now, isn't he? Um yeah, he's, he's great. He's the Dracula, or like even just vampire that all other actors are now judged by. Basically, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, he set the standard. Yeah. Um, no, it's really good, isn't it? Yeah, I thought we'd be like riffing a lot more. Like we we found some things funny and like maybe a bit dated, like the the bats on strings just floating. Yeah, but through. I mean, when you think actually think about it, this is why I love these movies so much. This was made in the. Th- 30. Oh yeah, this is like this... it is incredible the stuff they managed to pull off. Don't forget, film hadn't been invented that long ago. Yeah, um, and they'd only just started doing, you know, and silent movies, you know, were not that long ago either. Yeah, like the jazz, um, like when was the jazz singer? That was that was like four years prior to this. Yeah, so you know, the talkies as they were called. Yeah, you know. It, Pretty advanced, yeah. you gotta say. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, well, it's in that era when, <clears throat> when like the director of this, Todd Browning, he was known predominantly as a silent film director. You still had those people who were crossing over and adjusting to this new format, this new like sound, basically. Yeah, the yeah, I think it could be bad, and I'd still love it. I just love the Universal monster movies. Mm. Um, I just yeah, I'm a monster kid. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's like. Yeah, they just make me feel all warm and fuzzy. They're really nice. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's it's in, it's it's basically 
what started like 1930s horror as well like because yeah. this in the film was a big like success critically and financially at the time uh, in fact like future like releases of this would have a special epilogue at the end of it leading into frankenstein which would be the next universal horror film to come out oh, after this what a double bill that would be what dracula and then frankenstein yeah. oh yeah absolutely yeah that would be great and like we can call it the the Dwight Fry cinematic universe because he's, <laughs> yeah. he's in both. Forget dark universe. We need more Dwight Fry. It might be a bit hard now, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a tough sell, basically. <laughs> so yeah, we watched this on on Blu-ray in the Universal box set. It's got um, uh, it's got the Spanish language version as well, as long as, as well as a, a Philip Glass uh, version, who's a composer. He in the late nineties did just an additional cut of this film with different music and a different soundtrack. So yeah, you can watch this film in a variety of ways. I love vampires, yes. so it's always going to be a fun thing. Mm. Um, and there's many, many versions of it, but I do think this is probably one of my favourite versions of it. Like I say, I watched. Um, um, is it Coppola's? Bram Stoker's um, Oh yeah, Francis, yeah, Francis yeah. Ford Coppola. Um, I watched I watched that recently, and I just found it a bit meh. Yeah, like obviously the production value and everything's a lot better, but it goes on for a long time, doesn't it? That one. So I've not I've not watched that all the way through. I've seen many clips from it, but yeah, it's it's over two hours long. Whereas yeah. whereas um, 1931's Dracula is lean. It's like 18 minutes long. Yeah. But yeah, we'll probably end up covering Bram Stoker's Dracula at some point. But other things that we'll uh, would like to try and cover on the podcast as well will be uh, later films in this um, like Universal like monsters series of films. The next one is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is Frankenstein. So we'll add that to the wheel uh, in due time. Um, we won't do that for the next one. But if you've not got much more to say about Dracula, yes. We'll move on to the wheel and we'll find out what we're going to be talking about next week. How does that sound? Yeah. Wheel of torture. Wheel of torture. Wheel of torture. It depends on what um, on what film we get next. But if we're ready to spin, let's go. Oh, we just missed out on a really good film. Uh, we we missed out on a, on a good film, but we've we've got another interesting one. This is this is a film I've not seen from beginning to end for a long time. I'll be interested in how I respond to it. Okay. What are we talking about next Monday, Yaz? The Blair Witch Project. I think that's quite appropriate. We go from one like one of the first Universal films to the first mainstream Big found footage found film. Footage, yeah, which had a great viral. I say viral. It had a great marketing campaign. Viral for the time. Yeah. What what counts as like early internet um, viral marketing. But yeah, that would be interesting to talk about. Very different from Dracula. Yeah, because, yeah, it will be. I don't find Blair Witch Project scary. Oh. Um, Seen it a few times. And honestly, like... Every time I've seen it, I've just laughed. Like mm. not not because it's a bad film, because it isn't a bad film. It's good. It's just uh, I'm just obviously demented. There's just certain <laughs> scenes in the film that make me laugh. I think it's the bit where he's just walking around in circles, losing his shit, screaming about logs, <laughs> and it just it just cracks me up yeah. all the time. <laughs> and then after that, you can't really be scared, can you? Yeah, we'll we'll see. Like I said, I've 
I've not visited this film, revisited this film for a long time. So it might surprise me. I'll be interested in seeing how it responds I do have a cute, fun anecdote about this, though, but I will share it in next week's episode. Oh, oh great. Well, if that wasn't enough motivation to tune in next week <laughs> to listen to Monster Monday podcast, I don't know what is. But while we're waiting, in the meanwhile, while we wait for Yaz's anecdotes, you can follow us on social media, can't you? You can go on um, Facebook... Yes. Which we have, that's Monster Monday Podcast. And what are other, uh, other ones, Yasmin? Twitter is Monster Mon Pod. Mm-hmm. And Instagram is at Monster Monday Pod. So thanks so much for, uh, for listening to our episode talking about Dracula. My name is Will. My name is Yaz. And that's Winnie just batting around in the background as well. Human form! <laughs> uh, bat- batting around, I didn't mean to say that. Uh, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Yes, thank you very much. That's massively appreciated. And thank you so much for the for the positive feedback we've got on Facebook. We've got Skylar Alati who says, I like their perspectives. They're both really charming and fun to listen to. Ah, oh, that's the nicest thing thank anyone's... Thank you so much. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever uh, said about my charm. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Thank you so much, Not Skylar. Not me, because I get that quite a lot. No, but thank you. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, you're so, you're so humble, so modest. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But in all honesty, thank you. It means a lot. Yeah. Um, and thanks for your feedback, too, on the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's very welcomed. And thank... Yeah, we... Um, enjoy receiving that yeah so thank you you were very kind <laughs> yes thank you so much but we're all crazy they're all crazy except you and me sometimes i have my doubts about you no rats 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 now before we go completely mad uh my name is will my name is yes and thanks so much for listening to the monster monday podcast we'll see you next week bye, bye. Now he's twisted and broken them iron bars as if they was cheese.